0: Welcome to day 5 of I Am Talks Kemp Kia at Challenge Road Righto John, welcome on to day number 5, the day before the race We're actually recording mm-hmm. this two days before but don't tell anyone <laughs> uh, The day of, I'm so excited John you are so
1: excited. I you just can't hide you it. You cannot hide it.
0: Cannot hide it. John, before we start, sponsors
1: are F Social networking for endurance athletes. And Extreme Endurance. Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. And I'll just reel off a couple that are on the camp here. Uh, we've got Jeremy Special Agent Ryan. Kevin the Assassin Hunt. Marissa Dirty Little Rascal arrested Terry uh, Dirty Little Secrets Bessity. Chris Jetstream Dockety. Um, Ollie. Mr. Sausage Jenner, James the Red Rocket Thomas. And we've got to say a big thank you to Arnold Sleek Sulikov because he came to the rescue and saved the fillinator's day. Philanator came over and had his disc wheel smashed in the flight over. Atrocious. As well as a few other things. Plus his bike was didn't didn't make it over with him. So Arnold came to the rescue and uh is lent Phil a wheel, which he's most appreciative of. Mark, uh the sledgehammer Sledge sledgehammer Stetler. I wanna be Murray the Holy Hammer Worth, Phil the Philanator Patterson, and our honorary patron, Scott, the Terminator Molina. Yeah, we made up the Terminator when yeah. we we're,
0: were about three years old. Okay, John, so on today's show, we, 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 we're a little bit dubious on what's going to be on the show. There's a couple of things we do know are going to be on the show, so we guarantee it's going
1: to be this. We're going to be going to a press conference, and it hasn't officially been announced what is going to be in there. It's a special announcement, but we do know that it's actually going to be around the Collins Cup. Mm. Uh, you guys will hear more about that at this Press conference we're going to. Norman Stadler's going to be there, so we might talk to him. Chrissy Wellington will be there. Simon Whitfield and Lisa Bentley. And so there's going to be an announcement around the Collins Cup. We're not going to spoil the surprises, but from what we've heard so far should be pretty wicked. Well
0: by the time you listen to this everyone knows um, so we'll have lots more detail on that because we've pre-recorded this before we actually know so um, it does sound like it's going to be pretty exciting but we'll be talking about that later on in the show. Uh, also we've got John's going to talk about
1: his race plan Yes, um, and then we've also got an interview with quick interview with Felix that I did a few weeks ago um, around the coverage you guys will see tomorrow and, and one I, I, it was two parts of the interview the first part didn't uh, record properly um, but I'll give a bit of a Bit of paraphrasing of that um, when we get to that part of the show, and also we're going to have Torsten really talking about predictions, um, who he thinks is going to take it on a st- statistical level, who should take it, and and what sort of times we'd expect. Granted that the course is different this year, but I guess his times will be based off uh, off the old course, and then they'll be adjusted after that. And also the strength of the field relative to what we see elsewhere, Kona, you know, Frankfurt. So we haven't even talked about Frankfurt that's on this weekend, and to be honest, I don't know who's racing, but it will be quite interesting to get his perspective on how strong this field is this weekend versus, say, Frankfurt elsewhere in the world as well.
0: Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start before the the kind of announcement of Collins Cup and all those people right there, and then we'll work towards the show, and we'll see you guys at the other end. John, it's like we've been a pen
1: pal. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? Like, you know, in the old days you had pen pals and you probably pen paled them forever and never actually met them. And this is a this is a friend of the show who's been the contributor to the show and has a great website. It's a big, important part of our show. And we finally get to meet the man. <laughs> yeah. Legend. We're at we legend race. We, we got we legend.
2: We had a chance in 2007 when you did Challenge Road and I did it as well, but we never linked up there. Oh. That was I remember the th-
0: meeting Daniel from Germany. But yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that was
2: when you had the first round of yeah. bike shirts and yeah. I had mine. I don't think I had it at that point yet. You were kind of expected to lure it or something. Yeah. And I was sure, but it never worked out that way, so 10 years later we can make it work, work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so guys if you want to get the pre-race you know, information on who's racing who's predicted to win we're going to be going through some of that today but go to tryrating.com and equally throughout the year if you've got races you want to know which pros are racing uh, and all the inside scoop and then also how the stats sort of come out after the race check out Torsten's website tryrating.com and also to see how things are tracking for Kona because it is confusing these days as to who's qualified, who's nearly qualified, who's not going and uh, how all the points are working. So Torsten, we thank you for your it's time. It's a great site
0: and his nickname is The Geek and, it, and it's appropriate because <laughs> I, don't know, I can't even count
1: one plus one. This stuff is mind-blowing. So so one question I asked before we got underway was, you know, Frankfurt's on this weekend and we haven't even looked at that at all, but how does the, how does the field typically here stack up against frankfurt and how about this year as well
2: well usually you have Route that try to have a, a few of the big names to draw i guess uh, in- attention towards them like last year they had frodo going for the really fast time and the world record time um last year um behind him you have a, a good number of second tier pros but maybe not quite as deep as uh, that and then there's almost no interest from the third, fourth, fifth tier that might be looking for points in Frankfurt. Mm. In Frankfurt you usually have um, just very limited number of superstars because I don't think they're, they're putting out too much money to attract uh, the big, mm. big names to race there. But then you have a large, large number of second, third tier pros that go there for the big points and hopefully a good race there. So similarly, this year you have uh, the, the standard names like Sebi and Andy Bechera going there. they all also got the third German, Patrick Lange. Mm. And then you have like a long, long list of names that are almost at that their level, but not quite yet. Mm. And similar on the men's, they have uh, on the on the female side, you have uh, Anja Berenick as as the main draw. And then you can go down the list of, of amazing athletes, not quite from Germany, like mm. Liz Lyles, uh, Sarah Crowley, who won the regionals. Um, go on and on and, and there's so many people in Frankfurt that it's um, maybe it's easy to predict who's going to win or mm-hmm. relatively easy, you have a limited number but then the full podium gets tricky and the top 10 is almost impossible to to actually get, because the number of athletes that can place there are so large that it's hard to really gauge there.
0: Just just on a on a you know German kind of understanding, you know these two are, are two of the biggest races in our sport. What's the feel within Germany? Is there a competition between them, and, and does one have more of a favour, or?
2: Oh, there's definitely competition. I mean, at least from the race organizer side, um, there was a big, um, yeah, this discussion, uh, scandal, however you want to call it this year when Frankfurt and Roth ended up on the same date. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously been something that's very contentious between the two um, races. Um, Yeah, it seemed a bit like a power move from from Ironman to go on that date. Uh, They said it was because the European race schedule just ended up aligning things that way, so they couldn't really do too much about it. And I don't think they did um, seriously think about changing dates for this year. But for the future years, at least they sat down and figured out a way of um, moving the races to different different uh, dates. dates. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not something for the athletes, but uh, because you you hardly won't have uh, people doing Frankfurt and Road if it's mm. just a week or two apart. But I mean, so much attention from press, from the media, from TV. I mean, it's uh, usually both races are are on TV with uh, this year both of them at the same time that's not going to happen all the attention will be towards frankfurt because they have kind of the bigger draw as the mm. european championship there um and some of the bigger names for the at least the german viewing p- public there um so there's a bit of a competition going on between them mm. from the athletes i think i mean it's similar to, to the perception that challenges more of a family type of event it's a little bit bo- more personal it's a little bit more focused on the athletes who are racing there and Ironman feels a little bit corporate sometimes, um, they deliver an excellent race there, but maybe not quite as, as personable and, and I mean it's just the difference, Road, uh, almost everyone's staying in a homestay, everyone's within driving or riding distance of the start line uh, when you go around town here. Every shop will have uh, challenge banners in their mm-hmm. windows. Uh, it's just a completely different feel to when you're in a big city such as Frankfurt, um, where yeah, you, you know there's a race going on there, but you don't really see it mm-hmm. unless you're close to the, to the actual race venue. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit different
1: price money wise uh, seventy five thousand euros at rote um, I think it 'll be more than that at uh, hundred fifty I think, think yeah. one hundred and fifty but i 'd imagine as you 've said you know Rote probably do a does lot of appearance, the appearance fees, fees yeah, and yes. so on. yeah
2: yeah that 's the, the part we hardly ever know about
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at the field for for challenge um, you know we 've got nils, nils fromhold we're from when we 've spoken to other people he, he seems to be favourite amongst them along with maybe Terenzo who's a bit more up and down you know what are, what are the stats telling us about who on the guy side who we should sort of
2: expect to see um, in the mix? Well I mean if I look through the top five that I have on my list Niels comes out on top because uh, he's been quite consistent maybe except last year when he was a bit up and down had another injury at the end of last year but then he was second in uh, South Africa this year in a really good race against Ben Hoffman and I think that got a lot of confidence for him because he was kind of down at the end of last year when he didn't have the the challenge route that he was looking for he missed qualifying to Kona um, and he found out at the end of the year that he had another uh, stress fracture in his leg so that's when he was a bit down and the way this year has gone for him was very positive so he's a bit on an upward uh, trend Mm -hmm. and I think he wants to show in road that that continues and a good performance here will set him up nicely for, for Kona and into the Kona build for him. He must be a
1: strong biker because um, you've got him coming in uh, estimated bike time of 4.14 right. and we know Dougal Allen you know from New Zealand is a very, very strong cyclist and he's
2: predicted 4.17 so Nils must have had some pretty consistent performances on the bike. Yes, he's been very good on the bike in the last couple of years and also riding very well in, in route this year or the, the last couple of years that he was on there and he won it two years ago mainly on the strength of, of his bike. So mm. yeah, I would see him really riding well here. knows the course, uh, knows how to where to put out power and mm. where to uh, dish out his effort. Mm. So he really knows what's going on here.
1: So you're looking at your list. We've got Nils Frumholm, Timo Brack, Bart Arnotts, Torinzo Bozzoni and Joe Skipper. Skipper right. It's probably pretty hard to go beyond that in terms of who might be able to win it. The podium might be slightly different, but yeah, you got any any gut feelings on uh, how things might pan out, uh, both on what you know and what the stats tell you?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, for for they're they're. Cl- so close together that it mm. gets almost hard to predict how the mm. things going out I it mean, is a good race I- this year isn't it I- if you look at it I mean Niels is a step ahead of everyone else but then I have them within like two or three or four minutes mm. and that always comes down to how are things on race day so for example we know that Toranzo has had a in, uh, running injury and wasn't really able to do as much preparation for the race as he would have liked to. So maybe there's a slight question mark and we never know really how that pans out on race day. That could impact him. We know Joe Skipper hasn't had a good first half of the season so he'll uh, want to have a good result and speaking to him, I guess you guys sat sat down with him as well, Mm. Uh, he's really looking forward to the race and will be anxious to show a good performance here. Had a great race last year. Um, so he knows the course, uh, he also loves the bike course here. Um, yeah, To see him a bit more further ahead on, on the swim than last year, maybe, that could change things up for him. Um, putting out a good, a strong bike and then another strong run. He, I mean, he was faster than Frodo last year, so if he's in within striking distance, that could make things very interesting. Yeah, Timo, it's kind of a farewell too for him and speaking to him, I mean he's he's either going to go you know somewhere around 8 hours or he just goes completely on his farewell tour and says goodbye to everyone mm. my guess would be on the on the first one um, he's probably not going to go 750 mm. like like Niels could, um, but uh, he'll be. I expect him to be solid somewhere around eight hours. Um, maybe yeah. On a good day, he might still contend for the win, but that would require that some of the others run into issues, and he'll mm. be there. Mm. And my, my dark horse. I don't know. He's he hasn't been really mentioned that much. Would, would be Bart Arnouds. Yeah because uh, he's had a, such a strong race in Lanzarote earlier this year. Mm. Uh, amazing performance on the bike, which was always a bit of a downfall for him. Mm-hmm. Gotten better on the, on the swim, um, better on the bike and always been an amazing runner. Mm. Um, so he's kind of the underdog in my eyes and someone that could, could shake things up a bit in, in the front there.
1: When, on, when we look at tryrating.com, you've also got a consistency column there. Right. So can you maybe just explain what that is? Because someone like Nils has got 88% consistency. Then we look down at, say, Joe Skipper is only 36% and Terenzo's only 54%. Mm-hmm. We kind of know that those guys are a bit more up and down, but maybe
2: explain how that's calculated. Well, the way the calculation is done is I have an expectation on how fast they should go on race day, and if they're more than... I think, 25 minutes faster or slower, then I count that either as a very fast result for him that would be listed in the plus category or a very slow race that would be listed in the minus category. Uh, DNFs also go into the minus category. And then the first number that you see there would be um, the where, where they are within 25 minutes of the expected time. Okay. So, for example, if we look at uh, Joe Skipper, he's got 36 plus 21 and minus 43 means that he's... About a third of the time within the expected times, 20% he's faster and then 40% he's slower than, mm-hmm. than I would put him. Mm. And he's had a couple of DNFs, that's mainly where they show up, uh, similar numbers for, for Terenzo uh, in the plus and minus category. So mm. that's, that's how I come up with the numbers um, and just averaging them out. And you see uh, Neil's 88% consistency, very, very strong usually. Other than the few DNFs that he's he was forced into,
1: Daniela's idea as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, if we look at the girls' side of the f- things, um, you've got a 21% strength of field um, based off a typical Kona field. You know, I think we've, everybody we've discussed with, you know, Daniela Reef, if she's 90 90 probably 90 plus percent fit she should she should win yes. by how much well, uh,
0: probably a better way of saying what percentage would you say yeah you know because 90 i think if it 90 she's easily winning like is it 70 percent fit she'd still win you know like mm. i wonder what that you know like it's hard to know
2: yeah you, you wonder how hard she will flog herself if, if yeah i don't she's, think there's she, gonna be a record she, she, no i don't think so yeah. either but if she's in a say she starts the run together with yvonne or laura how mm. hard is she actually going to Force herself to go. How mm. how hard is she willing to go for the win in road, um, possibly sacrificing her chances at a good, mm. uh, I- getting another injury and uh, hitting a screwing kind of up her build towards towards cone and so on. So that that might be the question. The expectation would be she's probably uh, coming first out of the water because her swim should be okay. Then she's going to ride strong enough to ride away from the others, at least uh, build the cushion a little bit, and then. Done, had eh? a decent run done, yeah. um, but no record either. Yeah.
1: That being said, I mean, I don't think she'll get the record because um, everything would need to go her way. It's going to be yes. a hot day, etc. But um, I think we've been in this position before because I know she's doubled up races. You know, she did. Didn't she double she, up last year? Well, she yeah. doubled up here last year.
2: Yeah, and she, went incredibly it was Two quick. weeks after Frankfurt, after Frankfurt DNF. Yeah. And then one week after she did Switzerland. Yeah. And, and also right? going sub yeah. nine. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That was the one I was thinking of, and we thought, ah, oh, she'll just doddle around the course. She yeah. <laughs> yeah. She <just> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She yes. still went pretty quick. Um, I don't think she can go slow. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so apart from Daniela Reef though, it could be a pretty interesting race for um, between Yvonne Van Vlerken, who's predicted to come in 8.50, Laura Siddle, 8.50, uh, 8.57, and Heather Wortel 9.06. But I think probably Heather Wirtel, on most people's lips, seems to be potentially the second favourite because she perhaps hasn't delivered yet at iron distance um, on fast courses or hasn't given herself the opportunity to do so. So do you kind of feel that she could be the the one to watch for second place?
2: I think um, Heather is certainly the the one among those athletes that you mentioned that has the biggest upside potential. Mm. Uh, I don't think um, Heather has had a good uh, Ironman race yet. Mm. And I spoke briefly with her yesterday and, and she had an interesting point that um, her A race has always been Kona. Mm. And all the other Ironman races that she did were kind of make sure that she gets to Kona. And then Kona didn't never really work for her. Mm-hmm. So we prob- it's probably fair to say that she hasn't had an A race that worked well for her mm. quite yet. Mm. And Road could be that. And if she's having a good race, then um, yeah, she's, she's my pick for, for second place too. Um, if she has Ironman races like she had in the past, where things didn't quite work out well for her, especially on the, on the second half of the run, then well, you never know. Yvonne is so consistent and, and Laura has been getting so much better that um, at least one of those three should be on the podium. Mm. And I don't know if any of the other ladies behind them can, can contend for them, but if two or three of them don't have the, the, the good race that they're looking for, Um, there's easily a a, a couple of good athletes there that uh, can make it on the podium too. A couple of
1: runners that I haven't heard of before. We interviewed briefly um, Ruth Brennan-Moray, who was with you the other night, and also Lisa Roberts. Both of them have uh, expected run times under three hours. Is there much you can tell us maybe about Lisa Roberts? Because we did talk to Ruth last night.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean similar uh, profiles for Ruth and Lisa. Both are here um, to have a good race. And to run a really fast time. And I mean, the interesting question that I guess everyone else is speculating about is how fast is the new run course going mm. to be? Mm. And what times will the run course allow? Because it's it's up and down quite, quite a bit. It's not like it's a flat course that we've had in the past. Um, with the long, uh, flat sections along the canal, a lot more up and down this year. Mm. So that'll be the tricky question for both of them. How much effort are they going to put out on the bike? And how good will they be able to run off? well what needs to be a hard bike if they want to be in contention for for a potential podium there mm. um i don't know both Lisa and Ruth seem to be very confident about their running abilities mm. um sub three for sure for both of them in the in the cards. Mm. um i don't know who's going to end up as the fastest runner it could be um, interesting because uh, you've predicted them to come off the
1: bike within 10 seconds <laughs> of each other <laughs> yes. and race within the race <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I mean that's that's always the interesting part. I, uh, followed Ruth race uh, two years ago in in Frankfurt. Probably hardly anyone was following her race. She needed to come in fifth or Kona to make it uh, to get enough points for a corner slot there. She came off the bike in ninth, but we all knew that she was one of the stronger runners and she was forced to run through the field and actually ended up in fifth place. I don't think too many people followed that race, but it was so exciting for me to be able to follow that. That was the year they had GPS trackers and you were actually able to finish uh, what was going on in the middle of the race rather than just following the tracker and hoping that times would show up. And I think something similar might happen here. They could come up uh, off the bike pretty close together and if they bend up and uh, support each other on when one's feeling good, dragging the other along and the other way around, then that could be very, very fast on on the bike. And they'd both be willing to really go hard uh, mm. in the in the last part of the of the run, especially if they're close together and duking it out yeah. for the fastest yeah. time on the
1: um, on the it? run. Yeah, yeah. yeah we better get into the press conference of the Collins Cup. So Torsten, thank you for your time. Guys, remember to check out tryrating.com and you'll probably hear a bit more from Torsten uh, on race day because Bevan will hopefully see a bit of you and we can chat a bit more about uh, what's coming up with tryrating.com.
0: Thanks, guys. Today's the show is a bit random. John and I are coming and going. John's basically just going to break you down his plan for his race. Now, you may be listening to this after this race mm-hmm. because we were only releasing this the day before the race so a lot of people may actually get this after the fact. John... Did you do it, is the
1: question. It, it, it has been done. It has been done. So tell, tell me what your plan is. So I've got a pretty simple plan, really, and you guys will have heard me talk about this, but I guess three of the keys to, to, to race day for me is um, to be making smart decisions all day, and, you know, it's going to be going to be a hot day out there, um, and I've just got to keep constantly making smart, smart decisions. That's my sort of... Point number one. Point number two is always trying to put a positive spin on situations. So, you know, if um, some aspect of the race isn't quite going to plan, you know, always staying positive and thinking about, well, this is going to turn around. Yeah, so, for example, if you're having a, a, a bit of a shitty second half of the bike ride or something like that and you, and you can't quite get the power up, then I'm, I know in my mind that, okay, if I can't get the power up, I'm going to have more juice in the tank for for the runs. So, always putting a positive spin on the race situations. And then the key for me um, is going to be to relax through the day and just stick to my plan, which sounds really simple, but I know from being here last time, you know, I wasn't particularly relaxed. And going up Solderberg Hill, wasn't particularly relaxed so I want to enjoy all those parts of the race enjoy the crowd on the run um, last time it was you know really focused racing um, this time when I want to relax enjoy it and I think that will equal us a successful day so the swim for me it's kind of a little bit of a different situation from the swims I've had lately because I'm normally towards the front of the pack and the swim so for example in Hawaii um, recently I was you know Straight into straight on somebody's feet feet, and I think it was second or third out of the water. Challenge Wanaka was kind of similar, you know, and, and racing like Ironman New Zealand in 2014, always towards the front. Whereas this time I'm going to be starting in the with the pro field, so I've got to be conscious to not get the living bejesus spanked out of me um, early on. So my plan for the swim is to start on the front row middle of the sort of start line knowing that most of the top pros will be starting probably on the left um, to get off the start line pretty quickly and there's enough pros in there that are mediocre swimmers by pro standards that are probably good good feet for me to get on. So I c- Do you know how many people are actually starting in your pack? Well there's, I think there's 50... In the pro men, and I'm not quite sure how many in the sub one hour, but I think there'll be a, you know a good 150 to okay, 200. Okay, so you, there'll be people with pretty yeah. much the whole time. There'll be plenty of swimmers behind me, um, but there'll be I think there'll be enough pros and sub niners where I should be able to get a good toe along, and that's you know a big part of my swim. In terms of my technique that I sort of think about when I'm going through the swim, um, and this applies to a lot of age groupers, is, is to keep your head down. So easy to just constantly be lifting your head and 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 that just drops your hips down, so keeping my chin tucked. um, I want to make sure that my angles and my um, wrists are really good. I find that that's a a key part to make sure I don't glide too much when I swim and also keeps my elbow up when I start my catch phase. In terms of my recovery I think about high elbows, a lot of people these days are going for a much more of a straight arm windmill type Mm. technique but for me it still works to have my sort of high elbows on my recovery and keeping my hands pretty close to my body and that helps me to keep my my cadence up. So I'm kind of optimistic that swim should be relatively straightforward. I'm definitely going to be trying to suck toes as aggressively as I can throughout the course. Is it really clear? clear, is it? Uh, it's not particularly clear, but, but, you it's, can still um, see. but it's flat and it's calm. It's guaranteed to be flat and calm. Yeah. I mean, you have to be blowing a gale for that swim to be at all rough, given it's in a canal. Um, so, yeah, and then I guess the final point for me is to be pretty aggressive on the... The buoy turnings at the the ends of the swim i've sometimes recently just been a little bit soft on that and uh and lost some toes yeah lost Mm. some toes lose a little bit of ground kind of let people in and then all of a sudden gaps start appearing so that's my um swim plan be reasonably conservative in the second half and just hopefully get on some some toes and uh and not you know have too much energy output in the swim and then we roll out onto the bike and my plan is pretty simple on the ride, is I'm going to do my own thing. You know, Plenty of races, uh, lately I've, I've raced them yep. and, and raced against other people. So for example in, in Challenge Wanaka I, I really was mainly doing my own thing but I still did have an eye on the competition and was trying to make sure that I stayed on, on level pegging with them most of the way. This time round I'm just riding to power so my power range is going to be 225 watts to 240 depending on how I feel on the day and what heart rate's happening, what's happening with Heart rate. And, and what heart rate do you start to go pull back? Uh, it's 135, so that's the thing. I'll I'll, I'll just start pedaling and hopefully the power's coming easy and I just sit at um, sort of 230 watts, then I'll be assessing heart rate, and, uh, and if that's above 135, then I'll just have to back off and accept what the power's doing. Yep. Um, but hopefully, you know heart rate based off training heart rate should be low 130s sitting around 230 um, watts um, maybe as low as 225 and then just roll with that and and see what happens Um, stay there all day yeah and power on the climbs the the climbs over here other than one or two of them are not overly long Uh, and really my objective there is just to try to stay below FTP Um, hopefully it'll be around 270 280 watts and my FTP is sort of around three hundred to maybe maybe up to three ten. Um, so that's sort of my, my power plan. But overall, being a little bit conservative, um, you know, the hope is that there's some uh, donkey in front of me just riding along at a great pace, and I can just sit in behind at 12 metres and ride at sort of 225 to 230 watts, and he'll just pull me along to a nice fast time.
0: Well, being a stronger swimmer, I know in the pros you're not, but as an mm. age group you
1: are, um, you know, you have, you'll definitely get some guys come through, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I will get some guys Blasting yeah. <laughs> pass like Dougal Thorburn my god he is going to come past me so fast because it's pretty sure he'll be behind me um guys like Joe Skipper and speedy bikers like that I would think will be just in front of me mean, Dougal of Allen right. Dougal Allen what he's did it, I say Thorburn who's that Dougal Thorburn He's a triathlete as well. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, key, key reminders for me on the, the, the ride to sort of keep on track is it is largely a um, big chain ring ride other than a few hills, but the advantage we've had with this camp is we kind of know the course not inside out, but we've ridden a whole lap once and we've ridden the first half of the course uh, again on on one of our point to point rides. So there's a a hill that's about a quarter of the way through the ride and that I think might catch a few people out Um, in terms of you need to know when to be getting down into your small chain ring. The first day we rode the course, I was in my big chain ring thinking it wasn't going to be that long and got halfway up and was going, oh crap. You know, That's when you kind of have the drop chain situations. So knowing the course is really advantageous for us. Um, and the key that I've seen a number of times to doing a fast ride on this course is to keep the pressure on through the lots of villages, the lots of twists and turns, the false flats. So just keeping it nice and constant. And I think that's where a lot of people who haven't ridden the course, that's why they come away from this course going how the hell do you ride fast on this course and the secret is to to keep that pressure on. Um, One thing that I'll be doing is uh, on the steeper downhills is actually really going into recovery mode and you hear a lot of cyclists and, and triathlon coaches saying you really got to keep the pressure on all the way through but for me that's part of my strategy in this race is to actually not on the gentle downhills but the steeper downhills giving up a little bit of time to try to go into full body relaxation and really get my heart rate to dip as low as I possibly can and then get back into it when I'm at the so bottom of the it's kind of your walk on the bike? Mm, yeah, yeah absolutely and in the past I'd probably be a bit more aggressive but I've just noticed from training when I do that my heart rate drops right down and then it settles quite down for, for quite some time. It's going to be bloody toasty, um, and so having water over your body all the way through the course is going to be absolutely crucial. Uh, so I'll be wearing my long-sleeve skins top and keeping that wet all the way through. Even though we're starting at 6:30, we're on the ride at 7:30. Going to be trying to keep that core body temperature down for as long as I possibly can. Um, Technique-wise, um, one thing that that hinders me a bit is sometimes my cadence dips a little bit low but also over here the course is so fast what I was finding on the the first lap of the course and we did it in training is my cadence can get a little bit high at times because we're going at such high speeds and then my heart rate starts to go up so I've got to be reminding myself to sort of keep that optimal cadence for me, which is sort of high 80s, just around you know, 88 to, to 90 is optimal for me, and keeping those smooth circles. And then nutrition-wise, I know people are always interested in that. I'm sticking with the formula that's worked for me um, pretty consistently everywhere except for iron distance at Kona. Um, and so that's getting through one bottle of uh, infinite. infinite per hour. Uh, and then I will be having... Um, a couple of serves of UCAN and I'll be taking those in at sort of about the 45 and 90k mark and then I've got a couple of EMS bars that I carry and I'll be trying to get through those sort of intermittently through the ride and then the final part piece of the puzzle is to have some caffeine and uh, that's kind of subject how I'm feeling but I carry two caffeine tablets with the aim of having one sort of in the towards the, in the middle of the ride and then another sort of later in the ride. Um, in terms of my fears for the ride and I think that's a something that a lot of people don't address is what they're worried about but for me you know there are a few things that um, are in the back of my mind that if they they turn up I want to have a strategy to deal with that probably the biggest fear is my heart rate is high for low power and uh, that's not really a good situation to be <laughs> this. Um, and so one thing that I'll be doing when I'm out there is, is to check my split times at say the 45 the 90 uh, so every, every 45k is to check that I'm on pace so if my heart rate is high I will be back off the power but if I get to you know the 45 90k marks etc and I'm off my pace then it's time to decide if I, if I want to roll the dice and go bugger this I'm just going to have to go for it otherwise I have no chance of going sub nine because yeah. ultimately for me I'm not really interested in just um, having a, an okay race and just having a steady eddy day it's um, you know I've got to be sub I'm 9 here to perform John? I'm here to perform here to go sub nine. That's right. Um Some of the mental processes that I go through, and this is both on the run and and on the bike, you know, it's very much going aid station to aid station, especially on the bike, and I'm kind of thinking it's only, you know, X number of kilometres to the next aid station. I'm not thinking, holy crap, I've got 120 k's to go, it's, Mm. you know, right, it's 10 k's to the next aid station. What do I I do now? Yeah, what do I do now? I'm going to get some more water on board when I get there, I'll cool off a little bit. And 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 also things like you know it's only 20k's to halfway, and then boom, you've you've done the first half. Um, Once I get into the second half, my mind always goes into very positive um frame of mind in terms of you know you've knocked off half of it yet you're not that far to go and the only time that i think about the run on the bike would be as if i'm having a terribly crappy day and then i'm thinking and my power's not up then i'll be going okay that's basically what happened last time we're in rope i was having a crappy day on the bike and managed to turn it around with a um with a really solid run so that's how i'm always putting that positive spin on things if things are going crap i go well chances are if i'm having a crappy bike ride i'm going to be fantastic on the run so off the bike, onto the run, my plan is to run uh, 4, 10, 4 minutes, 10 seconds per k um, pace when I'm running, and then I'll be doing 12 minutes run, 45 seconds walk, and then the, that should average out at around about sort of 4, 15 to what, 4, Why 12 17. minutes? Let's do 9-1. That's just the formula that I've come up that works and enables me to run at a pace that's not too quick, um, if, if, you start, if I start going 9-1 I've got to run that a little bit quicker yep. and that's the formula that I worked on when I ran, ran my fast marathon okay. and it means I can still get a nice little break but I don't have to run super super fast. Yeah, so if okay. you run a minute um, every nine minutes, uh, if, if for slower people that works well because their differential between their speed and, speed yeah. is not so great. But if I did that, ran nine minutes, then I'd probably have to run 4.05, and it's just yeah, starts it's just to get up bit, yeah. there a little yeah. bit. So I may adjust my pace a little bit depending on, on the heat and how I'm feeling. So I'll be keeping a little bit of an eye on heart rate and also perceived effort. So I don't want to go on a, a suicide mission, but my plan is to stick with that and the hope is that you know, the Kona heat's helped and, and I should be good to go. Um, it's going to be tricky at times, given the rolling nature of this course now, that um, I'll be keeping an eye on average pace, so I'll have plenty of Ks that are that are off my pace that I want to go at, but I'll be keeping an eye on, on my yeah, Marcus average pace. Do you want to say at 10K I should be, or? No, I'll just be flicking, I've got, um, on one of my screens, I've got average average pace, okay. and I know that I just need to keep that. Uh, four four minutes, 10s. 17 per K is, is a three hour okay. marathon, and so in my training sessions, I've been sort of sitting around 4.15 to 4.16, and uh, and that's very small, margins um but uh yeah i just need to know that 417 yeah. is uh is three hour marathon nutrition wise on the run i go through uh, aim to go through a gel every six k's and then you know for the first half and then just uh to a degree wing it in the second half we all know that our tummies can get a little bit upset in the second half do you, do you so, use coke? uh yeah we're hitting coke yeah. but try to be hitting the gels for as long as i possibly can and then reverting to to coke and so on from from that stage on when things start to turn a bit south, and most of my get gels are caffeinated gels as well. Uh, is there a point in the race where you just go now, nah, go for it? Uh, there is, yep. Um, so pretty much from thirty k onwards, then it's just about what do you got? Figuring out what I need to have uh, in the stomach on the nutrition front. But yeah, I'll I i will not be it's unlikely I'll up the pace until I get to the 30K mark. Um, So if I get to 30K and I'm sitting at four 16s or whatever, then I'll up the pace. If if you can. Yeah, if I can. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) As you guys know, I have lots of technique things that I think about when I'm running. Keith, My number one technique um, is going to be to relax, and I found that when I overthink my technique too much in training, my pace was actually starting to fall a bit, and then I just go, okay, relax, Boom. Drops a couple of seconds per k straight away. Um, second half of the run, really focus on keeping that cadence up, uh, keeping my hips up. We all know that we all start to become bucket runners a little bit further further into the run, so keeping my hips up. Uh, pulling my foot towards my butt, not in terms of um, out the back of the recovery phase, but more, I work a bit more on the pose techniques. So once my foot has uh, planted on the ground i'm trying to get it off the ground reasonably quickly and lifting that heel towards my butt Um, i don't have a huge swinging foot behind in the recovery phase and then late in the run also focus a lot more on my arm carriage so if you can get those arms pumping chances are your legs are going to follow uh so that's a key part in a relaxed way yeah and that's what you need to yell to me and the supporters in the second half of the run get your bloody arms moving okay uh and a bit like the bike i really just take it one k at a time and What I focus on in the second half of the run is trying to keep as rational as I possibly can. So if the wheels start to fall off a bit, you know, assessing the situation, assessing nutrition, and if it's at that stage where you're just rooted and your nutrition's on track and it's just about hanging in there, being rational and understanding that, you know, so I'm trying to run 4.10s. If I drop to 4.30s and I've only got 10Ks to go, I'm only going to lose about three minutes over that last 10Ks. Yeah. So not throwing a toys out of the cot if things start to go a bit south and understanding that if it's in the last 10K, you're only going to lose a few minutes and hopefully that's not the difference between breaking nine for me but I'm um, just, just staying, keeping the head in the game and uh, just taking it K by K. So that's it, 3.30 finish time. Good, three, and, and so a goal, magic day is what? Oh, I think eight forty-five. I always have in my mind eight forty-five is a magic day. But that's yeah, that, yeah that's, that, what I that's one of those days which come really in your career. Yeah, that is yeah. when a great swim transitions a magic, great bike transition. T two yeah. is magic and run is is fantastic. And let's be
0: honest, that's one
1: one hundred kind of day for most yeah, athletes. Yeah, you know. absolutely. but that's, so then that's what I pitch for, and, and, and then. And then uh, it's pretty much anything under under nine is going to be acceptable so i would like to go 851 because that's what i did uh, nine years ago yep. and i certainly think i've got i'm in shape to do that uh, but just need everything to go to plan and there's a bit of unknown on the bike cor- on the run course and when i did that you know in the second half of the ride i had some good some good people to ride with so yeah it'll come down to having having a good ride having some people to ride with and having a stellar run so if it's over nine um i'll be pretty disappointed um but it's triathlon it's It's not the end of the world if that happens but I'll certainly be making it going as hard as I can
0: Well good luck mate Good luck Bring it on We'll be out there Cheering you along And uh, if you want to follow John You can Apparently Challenge Is going to have Some really good coverage Mm. Uh, Obviously it'll be mainly pros But I'm sure they're going to Probably spend half an hour on John Uh, (laughs) But but outside of that They'll they'll have the athlete tracker As well So you can go check out What John's doing Throughout the race And uh, see how he goes along And and anyone else You want to follow on the race
1: uh, Challengefamily.com I think it is Uh, Challenge right No challenge The live um, pictures Are already up uh, Not live pictures But the, the sort of portals Are already up there Ready to go So you just go to their homepage. And good to go
0: Okay I don't know this, Today's show is a bit weird How I've put this together So I'm not sure what's happening next It might be John Knight It might be something else So here we go so John and I are back into the show right now and yesterday we went and had a talk about the Collins Cup and we've got a few little interviews with uh, Lisa, Simon and Chrissy Wellington coming up soon but we thought we'd just have a quick little comment
1: on what we learned at the media conference John and uh, your thoughts. Yeah it's going to be great, uh, you know it all comes down to whether or not they can get live TV coverage and with that we'll bring the big sponsors and the big money and then all the athletes will turn up so uh, the venue for the Collins Cup is going to be a challenge road. it's going to start at midday so over here age groupers or the pro Race starts at 6:30, uh, and there will still be a pro race at Challenge Road next year. So that'll kick off at 6:30. Same structure as usual for all the age group racing. That rolls from uh, sort of 6:35 or 6:40 onwards, and then Collins Cup will start at midday, uh, and it will be run over 3k swim, 125k bike, and 25k run there's still, it's very early days because they literally only just pulled this together at the last minute and it's going to be as far as the questions we asked and it was only Bevan, myself and what's up, Steph from What's Up and I think Kevin McKinnon asked and, a couple of I questions and I asked pretty much all the questions Bevan, <laughs> and it got
0: lost at one Bevan stage Bevan pulled a shocker
1: <laughs> he goes, okay I've just got one question here um, and then I totally just went blank and he goes, oh sorry I forgot my question Yeah. but oh, then okay. I came back
0: and it was a gold question John gold question was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my question was about, what was that one about? That was about, uh, was it getting all the pros here? Yeah, that was a good question. Because okay. the, the question I had was, because they've got this, they've used Thorsten, they've got this ranking system, which is really cool. And basically, if you're, the way the cup's going to work is, they're saying that if you're the, like, let's say you're an American athlete and you're the top four, you're guaranteed to be in the cup. Well, then the question is, well, are these athletes going to want to be there? And uh, their response was, well... This is a pro organisation, so in theory they should be supporting it. But also they think that if they can get TV, which they seem pretty confident about, don't they?
1: Got to be. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, the money's going to be bigger than anything we've seen in the sport. Mm. So
1: financially it's going to be worth being there as well. So they, they, they seem pretty confident that
0: everyone wants to be there.
1: Oh yeah, no, the athletes definitely seem to be. It just... We'll go into that, the, the, our, our thoughts in a moment. So yeah, 3K swim, 125K bike, 25K run. Uh, the bike is going to be a lap and a bit of the Challenge Road course and then the run, and this is where I thought... It will get a bit more interesting because they're obviously going to be running on the same course as the age group athletes. So there'll be plenty of age groupers out there. What happens at the moment with the new run course is you run down to the canal, which is a couple of k's. You turn right, you turn, uh, and you run along the canal for a bit. Turn around and come back up. What I and we asked the question around the course and um, Felix said, you know, there's going to be a special Collins Cup-only section on the canal, so I suspect they'll run down to the canal and they'll turn left, So then they've got plenty of... Free space and uh, and they'll be able to get some good footage uh, of the athletes racing down there. So as Bevan said, you have six athletes per team. You have a European team, you have which at this stage includes the UK. Uh, you have a, a American team, and you have the rest of the world team. Uh, you have four automatic qualifiers as per a, a ranking system um, which Torsten has devised. Now I'm not sure if that's just Ironman, or that's going to be a combination of Ironman and 70.3 rankings, um, we'll get Torsten on to discuss that at some stage. So you have your four automatic qualifiers, and then you have two selection uh, selections which the team captains will make, uh, so that, that's the likes of... You know, Chrissy Wellington, Simon Whitfield, Lisa Bentley, Norman Stadler, um, Aaron Baker, Dave Scott, Craig Alexander, those guys will then make the team selections, a bit like they do in the Ryder Cup. Um, and the idea is when they're out there racing, the team captains can interact with um, their team members, tell them, you know, you're up, you're down, whatever's going mm. on in the race. And I, I would hope that the that the Athletes will also be mic'd up, and that'll be cool. No, they are. They they said that, well, they're going to try to be. So, and yeah, and the coaches will be able to talk to the athletes while they're on the course. Mm. But Mm. it'd be cool to have, you know, someone like a Sebastian Keenley riding along, or, or maybe say a Lionel Sanders, you know, he's four minutes down on whoever he's racing against coming out of the swim, and he can sort of maybe give a bit of insight on what he's trying to focus on doing at that stage. Obviously, if you're racing you're not going to give away the game completely yeah. but I think that interaction is going to be really cool and I think that's a way that they can actually start to make this interesting because we know that if you know in Kona yeah it's a wicked race and there's lots of dynamics going on but when the camera's just fixed on one person it's kind of not that interesting mm. but by bringing in all the team captains um, very famous team captains and all the big names I think that's a way they'll be able to pad out and make an interesting show
0: well the other thing is as well is you've got 12 races happening at one time mm. so
1: there are going to be some Races that are blowouts,
0: yes, and they have talked about the point system being that if you fall half an hour behind, you lose points. So it's no, it's
1: not half an hour. So how the scoring system works is first place. So you're basically going to have three athletes going head to head at one time, and then every ten minutes, I'll start another three athletes. So it might be for Europe, Sebastian Keenley,
0: and is it one versus one versus one, it must be yes, yeah, so the top versus, three, yeah. three athletes start. No, but in I mean ranking wise, must be. The top. Oh
1: no, you can choose where you want to send people off, and that's oh, the, the beauty okay. of. I, I imagine that's the beauty of this how it works, you might go, okay, I think they're going to put Sebastian Keenley there, we might put our weakest athlete against okay. him. Yep. Um, so the way the point scoring works is you have three points for first place, two points for second place, and one point for third place. And then, this is where it'll become interesting, the bonus points are awarded. If you win by over three minutes, you get half um, half point addition if you win by six minutes you get an extra point oh, and if okay. you win by nine minutes you get one and a half points and it's capped at one and a half points so and what about if you
0: is it what about if you
1: lose by more than because
0: i'm pretty sure he said if you lose
1: by more than half an hour you yeah, lose I, a point I, I, uh i haven't got that in front of me right okay now. <laughs> I'm, well i'm pretty sure that's what they said in, yeah. the, in the press conference but i think that's a motivator that yeah you, to keep you in the game you don't you want to be able to stay in the game so look i think it's got all the ingredients of being a fantastic event if it's done right um, the big a, a, and if they get the TV coverage and they get good money, the pros seem really keen to make this happen. Mm. Uh, so, it should be great. Well, if there's, there, it, there's it, a it, couple
0: of things around it that are really important. Is can they make it a, a spectacle that Joe Public, that my mum would sit down and go, "Oh my God, this is amazing," because we're going to love it. Mm, you know, we're going to support it. Uh, but is it going to transfer into a, in a to a public event where they are going? You know, like first year, it's going to happen. But can they make it something that's viable in the long term? Because really, you're only going to make
1: that happen if you can make it a public appealing event. I think it's. My thoughts are it would appeal to the wider sporting public in terms of um, that coverage. But God, God, these days, how long is this race going to take? It's six, six hours, it's, uh, about. Uh, it probably won't be. Yeah, I guess it will when when you stagger the starts yeah. Um So I think for the general sporting public, it will be appealing for for the at home. People are just fringe, very, very fringe athletes, this is gonna be like maybe Kona coverage sort of stuff. You know, I think the, the half hour, one hour highlights package would be fantastic. But, you know, these days how many people that aren't hardcore sit down and will watch the Ryder Cup? I, I don't I kinda of loosely follow the Ryder Cup and when well, it's, on sports it. news, yeah, it's sports but news. But you're not gonna yeah. sit there and watch it for uh, no. for five days continuous, are you? So I think they will capture that market where, you know, people are willing to sit down for six hours, but then you've got to back that up with a re- fantastic 30 to 60 minute package so look everybody was really positive about it it is kind of in terms of the venue it's been pulled together quite last minute but I think they just wanted to make that announcement a year out saying it is going to be here we've got lots to work on and we're only really going to be able to pull this off if we get the TV coverage. And, and as
0: Chrissy says and you hear her talk about in an interview like they've got to try and, mm. and one of the things that's happened in the sport is the balance of power has really moved away from pros in the last 15 years you know like pros important to the sport but as participation has become the main game the pro influence and value to the sport and we can see that in prize money i was talking to someone before and saying they couldn't believe how melina was saying they made more money in the 80s than what a lot of the pros are today which is like 20 30 years ago yeah it's pretty sad when we think about it and that's because that races don't necessarily need pros nowadays so if the collins cup can bring this thing where Brings more money, more influence, more household names of pros, mm. then suddenly the pros start
1: to become more valuable to sport again. And so, to me,
0: that's one of the really important reasons
1: we want to switch. Just, take just off. an update for you there, Bevan. Um, uh, Phil's just paid for a telecom Wi Fi pass, so he might be able to watch the uh, the Lions. Do you he rec- reckon you can make that work? Because well, what's happening here, guys, we're, we're about oh. uh, an hour away from the kickoff of the All Blacks versus uh, the Lions and the rugby, and we're going to smash the, the Lions. We want to be able to see that. Yeah. Um, but. The problem is the Wi Fi at the, the hotel is uh, not the greatest. It's the worst ever, John. Oh, no, I've had well, in not room, worse than In our room, it's, this. it's terrible. Yeah, no, I've, I've We can't even get it, John. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so my goes, room's alright. i luckily had 15 gigs on my phone because I would be angry otherwise. So, anyway, uh, we're going to smash you guys, you lions. So, no, Collins Cup looking great. Um, and, you know, and, and I think it will, you know, the, the, the with Challenge Road, it's going to massively detract from the pro race next year. Um, but. Yeah, you've got to be innovative and try different things. I think this is an opportunity for exposure, don't they? Yeah, and it's going to be one year. It's going to be here for for one year and then it will probably go to America or or something like that and it will move around. It's not going to stay at one place. And they were, you know, one of the questions was, will this always be attached to, you know, an age group race race or an existing race? And they said, well, we don't really know yet. It's going to be wherever it is, whether they need to organise themselves my personal opinion is they, they need to be attached to a race to get the crowd support on the day and have, have really good buzz around it, but it will move around and they're not tied to any one organisation. They're very much in bed with Challenge at the moment and Challenge are assisting them from, from what we can see, um, but I don't think they're averse. I don't think it ever happened that they would go to a, a, an Ironman race, but you know they've just said, look, we're, we're open to any, any opportunities. We're not aligned with anybody.
0: Yeah, because they, they did say that, so we'll see, but yep.
1: Bring on Collins Cup. So, we're going to check some interviews in with a few people we interviewed at the
0: conference. I've got the lovely Chrissy Wellington next to me here right now, mate. So, Collins Cup, tell me how you got involved, Festival.
3: Um, I was. Approached first by Rachel Joyce, that uh, who who had had been working with with Charles Adamo, who was who's chair of, of the PTO, on on the concept, and she floated it with me, and I was just really keen to know more initially, and then once they announced they were looking for captains, again they they approached me, and and I really I I jumped at it. I. I'm really excited by the prospect of some adding something new to our sport. I don't think it will detract from the importance of Olympic distance from the ITU or from, from um, iron distance racing. I just think it adds something more, something innovative, something exciting and something that will hopefully make it kind of televisually impactful, um, which is a little bit lacking at the moment in our sport. Do, do,
4: do,
0: the, do the coaches have influence on the format?
3: Um, we don't have influence on the format. The format was decided before I came on board, but we definitely have um, input in terms of selecting uh, selecting our our teams. And it is a I mean it's a it's a shared endeavor. So I'm sure that if in due course we had suggestions for how it could be improved mm-hmm. organisationally and logistically, then then they would take that on board. As with all events um, and ideas they need to they need to try or something and if it doesn't work slightly nuance it so I'll feed into that 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 process but no the initial the initial format I didn't have any input to.
0: One thing you communicated in the press conference was this idea of we've got to try we're we're putting our hands up we're gonna have a shot and uh, what do you feel could be the impact of this and what do you what do you feel could this flow on to?
3: I think that there's a risk in triathlon that it gets a little bit stagnant, especially on the professional Mm. side, that there's too many events and that it's diluted in terms of of the number of of professionals. And I think that this might change things for the sport. I hope hope that it attracts a new audience, that it attracts... um, commercial sponsors from outside of the sport that might not otherwise be be interested in triathlon that it attracts a new a new type of fan a new generation of of fan to the sport and that will benefit everyone it will benefit the the pros that race yes but it will benefit the pros that that aren't necessarily involved in in the first year and definitely benefit all of the age group athletes too because uh, like I said in the press conference I, I feel like a rising tide just will float all boats so anything that can promote innovation and excitement and interest in our sport is really to be welcomed.
0: What do you think are some of the real keys to get right the first time you know because you're going to learn mistakes along the way but if you want to try and really nail that first one what are the real keys you feel will be the success there?
3: They need to get the coverage right not just the broadcast coverage because I think increasingly People are watching um, sports events in many different formats, mm-hmm. so you know, kind of internet broadcasting mm-hmm. is going to be as important as people sitting in front of a mm-hmm. in front of a box. So I think they definitely need to get the broadcasting right through a variety of different networks that will enable us to have access to a wide, the widest variety of audiences as possible, not just in in Europe where the race will be held, but um, but around the world. I think the the um, buy-in from the professional athletes will be very, very mm-hmm. important. Obviously, we'd hope that the, that those that are the top-ranked athletes will choose to race, but there'll be no obligation on them, obviously, to race. So uh, their buy-in and the um, the attendance and the appearance of of high-quality, successful professionals will be will be very important and. I think also thirdly, telling a story I think they, the public need to be aware of a, a story behind a race behind a sport and behind the athletes themselves and and that's where it will really benefit the professionals I, I think it's I think we need a situation where uh, that the public uh, are knowledgeable about about the athletes that are racing not just about you know their their performance history but you know about their lives about their training about where they live and and that just captures the public interest so it's less of a kind of a standalone event and more of a uh, a compelling built up story over a period of... Yeah, because that's the question, isn't it? It's
0: like, sure, try triathletes will watch it, we've already got that market, but how do you get someone who's just turning on Saturday afternoon or on TV and it's going to be compelling for them to go, oh, this is pretty interesting and I want to stick with it?
3: And that's been a challenge of triathlon mm. is to step outside of its its niche market. But I think we showed through the London Olympics that that was possible. Mm. That people were tuning in in their millions to the the BBC broadcast of of the triathlon when when they'd never even really heard of it before. Mm. And uh, I did the the commentary for that, and it was really important to me that I made. The, the sport um accessible to those people, so that we don't talk say too technically yeah. about for example watts yeah, <laughs> yeah watts or t one yeah. and t yeah. two and assume that people know that, so I think making it accessible, making the sport accessible is is really really important, but the London Olympics did show what was. What was possible? Because that was one
0: of the highlights of the Olympics. That, 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 yeah. The triathlon was amazing, wasn't it?
3: Absolutely. And, and Rio built on that. Mm. And it was it was the same in, in Rio that the audience, that the television audience for that for the triathlon there was. I, I must it did go beyond a, a, a niche triathlon audience. But mm. I, I, I do think that generally triathlon is still struggling to attract mm. mainstream mainstream media, and 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 that that this can help if if done if done correctly. And and the team at at Wasserman and the team at the, at the PTO, I think we'll, we'll need to um, think very, very carefully about how they um, present it um, on, on television and how they um, really uh, use their messaging to capture an audience that goes beyond triathlon. Just on a personal level, you know,
0: one of the things that always, I've always admired about you is your your giving of self. Um, and I remember going to Kona and just, you know, like Chrissy can't go anywhere without, Having to give attention and give love, and everyone wants your attention, and you are so present with everyone you are. And you know, I know that's not your world so much nowadays, but then when you come back here, I imagine it's kind of stepping back in some ways. What's it been like kind of coming back?
3: I love coming back here. Um, I live a relatively normal, ordinarily yeah, yeah. life outside yeah. of outside of events like this. So when I do come back, it's um, I'm catapulted back into the life that was mm, yeah. almost, and the person, yeah. n- the personality that 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 was. And sorry, she's she's just going to say hello
0: to Daniela, and we're back.
3: Um right remind me what
0: the persona of Chrissy yeah, in, in yeah. the big crowds yeah, or, or being back in the yeah. world
3: i love being back because it's i don't have as many opportunities now to um uh be with people on on a personal level mm. so to be face to face with people to touch people to hold people whatever um and that sounds slightly disturbing doesn't well. it, to touch people but not, not in that way but um unless they ask me to um but um yeah so that this is a really great opportunity to to do that and and to to be visible and and to hopefully I don't know in a small way give back to a sport I I love being here Mm. it's a it's an amazing event and it's a fantastic celebration of all that's great about triathlon that's why I like being part of it and I'm here because I want to be and not because I I have to be Mm. Um, so no it's 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 great to be back and yeah it's it's um, intense yeah. I'd say and yeah. demanding but you, you prepare for it like <laughs> you would do any other race and, and you know I conserved energy over the past weeks so I'm ready ready to go this weekend and and just ready to to enjoy in, enjoy every aspect of the weekend but definitely it's without the pressure that it had. <laughs>
0: do you still keep much of an eye on the sport?
3: Yeah, but not not as frequently as I would have done as a as an athlete. I know generally who's doing who's doing what and who's who's winning races and who's got form and who might not. But uh, not n- yeah, not the minutiae shy of, of the sport like I like I used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's a bit different when you're not competing, John. Obviously, we've got to get this challenge, this Collins Cup off the ground. But do you think further down the track we could have a UK only team?
3: I definitely think we've got strength depth, right near, yeah. but, uh, strength and depth to to have one, and if brexit um, <laughs> goes ahead we might we might need one if they uh, they kick us out of Europe permanently but yeah, I mean the u k is just flying at at all distances at, at the moment, so it's it's really amazing to see what the Brownleys and others have done for our sport in in our country and for a small island I think we do bat <laughs> well, uh, well above our weight and I think we could hold our own in a, in a race like the, like, like the Collins Cup.
1: You may have covered this but any tips for, for new mums in terms of trying to get back into it and and how have you... Ex- ha- I haven't done the new mum tips so well, you know yeah, yeah, what oh, I'm saying, it's gold! She's probably <laughs> bloody sick of answering triathlon related yep. questions, this is you know, uh, how have you found getting back into shape and uh, any tips, things that you've found re- worked really well for you?
3: Yeah, in terms of getting back into shape, I think not getting out of shape was mm. quite important for me. So through my pregnancy I wasn't training, but I was being I was active. So I was still cycling or running or swimming. Definitely not to the extent that I used to, but maybe doing like an hour or something a day. And that just enabled me to keep a level of fitness. I didn't do any kind of interval work, but and Pilates was very important. So when it came back to trying to get um get back into shape or fitness um or health then then it i think it was it was easier importantly not to rush it i think there's such a temptation and, and, I, and
0: especially on like instagram where you see these girls three weeks after baby I and they're, they're showing their abs
3: off it's not like, and it's not, it's not necessary we've given birth with it's the most amazing process just let yourself be that that postnatal person for for a little while rather than trying to be the the athlete that that you were or you want to become but and i succumb to that you, you've got this temptation right i've had a baby i want to get back i want to get my body back and so but i didn't i didn't really do anything apart from kind of walking and then power walking for six weeks and then I did run at, at six weeks and started really slowly um, on soft surfaces. But even in hindsight, I think that was too soon because I got a bit of an ankle injury soon after that. I think just my body just wasn't prepared. So starting slowly, Pilates is fantastic to give you that structural strength. Um, and then trying to get bang for buck, you know, just trying to fit it into your into your life and accepting that you can't, do what you did before. So walking with your baby, running with your baby when they're old enough, putting them on the back of a bike is is great. You're not cycling like you used to, but you can still be active. and having a really supportive partner, mm. it's. It, I know not everyone, you know, has that luxury. But if, if you have got a supportive partner and you can facilitate their sport and they can facilitate yours, it's, it's really great. But it also enables them to have that relationship with their child. That's that's really really valuable. But it's a challenge.
0: Well, I suppose I'm not a mother, but I also ma- imagine. Really? Well, <laughs> well, you know, when I was younger, no, 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 but no, but the whole idea of um, reminding yourself that this is important for you under fatigue because one thing I, I deal with a lot of female p- who come from pregnancy and one of the things is that lots, loss of self that comes from motherhood and, and also high fatigue and so it's easy to drop the thing that's important for you and so maintaining movement at the right level is actually really important for that reason as well.
3: Yeah and it's psychologically important yeah, yeah. Oh, a, a sense, sense. sense of identity, sense of self-worth, the sense of having part of you that isn't you as a, as, as a mum and that 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 really is incredibly incredibly important And just time away from your child and like you shouldn't feel guilty mm, yeah. for that and everyone needs to carve out that that space for themselves in their life whether it's sport or whether it's another activity but I think we have to be really cognizant that huge changes have been taking place you know physiologically hormonally and you do need to give it a, a lot of a lot of time. I don't think your body is is back to normal. You know, even after even after a year or or so of um, from having a baby. But you know, we only have to look around us to realise that you can get back to sporting fitness and, and 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 racing fitness if you want to after after having a baby. But I also think that you you measure success slightly differently. For me, you know, success. Uh, is seen in the context of being a mum and, and a wife and having a full-time job and things like that now, and that's and that's great, and that's the way I I like it, like it to be.
0: Thank you so much for telling me. It was great to talk to Chrissy and good luck for your run on the weekend and uh, yeah and just keep doing what you're doing, you're an amazing person.
3: Thanks for your support, Cheers. Well, we're
0: sharp, he's just called us professionals, so he's not just <laughs> a gold medalist, but he's just a champion, John. Oh, he's a champion. Someone how you going, mate.
5: Oh no, this is good. This is fun. This is fun to be in Germany and see uh, I don't know spend a lot of time on a triathlon anymore, just to see the you know, the core of our sport and to see the enthusiasm and to sit beside Chrissy and Lisa and it's I don't know, it's fun. It's great.
1: So we've seen, you know, this is not a relay format as such, but, you know, we've watched the ITU relays, which is now in the Olympics, um, and it seems to bring a really good vibe out of the athletes when they're actually racing together. And I guess this will be somewhat similar. Um, have you sort of been following the relay format and also maybe the Super League? And, and do you think this is going to work for the long course things?
5: Sports just innovates. You know, we had a long discussion here about where the television coverage, and what the prize money would be. I just love the innovation, and that's it. I mean, the team relay is innovating. It's, it's fun to watch that kind of format. I never got to race the team relay, it just kills me. But um, that Super League was next level. I mean, that was back to the Formula One days that I grew up watching. The Saint George series, the he's Blue. Oh, you know, this is uh, that's triathlon innovation and uh, different formats, and this will add to that. It's just it, it, I'm glad they're not doing the same format, re, you know, re- did. This is a good idea. They have a really good idea with that 12 races within the race. I think that's a great idea.
1: What do you, what do you think of the the key things to make this actually work and to make it spectator friendly? Because they kind of make it work in a, in a highlights package, but to watch the race, it's kind of boring. What are you? What are sort of the keys to make this actually spectator friendly, so people are interested? You know,
5: but is it boring? I mean, like we live in this age where we want like instant gratification of every aspect of it. I like it. I don't have any problem with watching an Ironman or whatever, you know, a challenge race. I, I've gone. I've been to Hawaii. It was the whole build up to it, the wondering when they've gone off. You know, like they're left, and then you're kind of who's coming back in front i like that um so i'm not too concerned about that i, I think that this course is perfect venue for uh, providing some you know getting their extra excitement the races within the race the uh technology the way it is now with the what we're going to be able to tell their everything down to you know all the metrics that you're going to be able to provide on w- what's going on within the race and then the captains commentating it and it sounds like the athletes are going to have a way to talk back to the captains um, and we saw that at Super League, didn't we? The Super League just took that—they they, they embraced the technology available and took it to another level. So, I think you're going to see this pivot towards something that the mainstream considers more uh, exciting. But personally, I just like—I don't know—I don't need that. I like—I'll take this any race format and any kind of storyline that comes with it. I think it's great. Well, how did you get involved? I, I like I said in the press conference, conference, I got the initial phone call and I said, "Yeah, sure." This, they heard it a thousand times but then it just started like, catching momentum and then when they said well Crowe's involved, I said, wait, Crowey's involved? I mean I grew up with Crowy. I was in the Balmoral Triathlon Club with Greg Bennett and Croey and, and Craig Alexander and you know and then to say, Dave Scott's involved? I said, hold on <laughs> and Chrissy's involved And so, yeah, I don't know, they're audacious, you know? Charles and the and the the PTO, it's audacious. It's a very audacious thing to say, like, we're gonna build this thing, it's gonna be like this, and it's gonna be on TV, and it's gonna be a Ryder Cup type thing. And at first I was like, okay, let's wait and see. And as it slowly comes together, you start to see the hallmarks of things that do make it. So, I'm on the same page, I can see that with you. You're sitting there going, okay, I'm you know, we've seen lots of this stuff come and go. We've seen lots of formats come and go. But this has the hallmarks of something that's slowly putting the big bricks in place to make it, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. And what are you doing with yourself these days?
1: People are always interested to see uh, where athletes from the past have gone. Gone to. So, what are
5: you doing with yourself? I'm. I'm involved in a lot of things. Less things than I was. Um, my my heart and souls with uh, beyond you know, chasing my kids around to soccer games and field hockey games and drama classes and everything that they're you know drums and harmonica lessons and the whole thing. <laughs> Um, you need some electric drums. I got some electric <laughs> drums. They're brilliant. I want the real drums. I want to hear Pippa just banging away. Um, I got really into stand-up paddling. Um, I got into a little bit at first as a race thingy, you know, and then all of a sudden I was like, Wait, what am I doing? I'm like measuring how much my board weighs and, you know, the drag coefficient of it. I just like being out on the ocean and I need it. I need it to recalibrate. Um, I, we have an investment fund. We invest in preventative health technology and, and wearable te- sports technology. It's interesting um, it's a lot of conference calls it's a lot of it's a lot of tight sitting at my computer wanting to be outside. Um, I like it from I get to I get to iterate ideas and contribute in that manner, but uh, no, my passion's much more around being outside and being active and, and, and anything that I can get involved in where I'm outside and active and enjoying family friends sport culture whatever it is so that's where my interests lie and my time is spent and then I do a lot of writing now but I don't do it for any reason other than just informing myself and I'm at am the most avid reader you've ever met Now <laughs> I've turned into a little book well I was always a book room as a kid and then these stupid black mirrors came along and took all of our attention and then now I finally put mine down and I'm back to books so if you're gonna ask me what I do for a living I read <laughs>
0: professional reader I like that I like that
5: awesome well you have fun on your uh, 90k ride tomorrow on Sunday as well <laughs> just, just, what are your thoughts on the race? Uh, let's not use the word race. Let's say the participation, more like it. Um, I don't know. I haven't ridden. I ride a commuter bike around. Not <laughs> to the end of the sentence, really. Really? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be a long way, but give me enough food and a pint, and I'll be fine. Um, I told Dylan's like I'm going to get you a lead." I said, "Don't do that. Don't go get a lead. Um, I'm just going to go for a ride. You know, I, it's an opportunity to go see this course. I grew, Look, I grew up watching." Hawaii, and um, it's great that we're in the Olympics, and I love the Olympic distance and yada yada. But I really like—I was a student of the sport, and if you know Chris McCormack and I could go back and forth on all the data and all the—you know—he loves his stats, and so do I of all the the great athletes that this sport has produced. And and Roth is one of these places that it's like—I felt like I was making a bit of a pilgrimage to come here, and uh, I to be able when they say "Well, do you want to ride the real?" They said, "Do you want to ride the course?" I said. One lap, <laughs> and when they said yes, I was, yeah, man, I was like, sign me up, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'll be out there. You know, we we have the in Vancouver, we started the largest uh, the largest bike shop franchise in the world now. VeloFix is a mobile bike shop, and was started in Vancouver. And I called the boys up. I said, send me a kit. I'm going riding. <laughs> so uh, I'll be proud to you know represent VeloFix in the Collins Cup, and yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Awesome. Good luck, mate. Thanks for your time,
0: and uh, just keep up the good work, mate. All right. With me, oh, oh I got Lisa Get me with me. She's uh, a team captain. So tell us about it. <laughs>
4: Oh, it's uh, what an honour to be a team captain for this inaugural event. You think, uh, you know, I never wanted my career to end, but uh, age and injury leads it to ending, but this is the way to keep it going because I've got so much information to share and so much passion for the sport. I love it, and uh, so I'm really excited to be able to be one of the captains for the international team and and influence this new direction of sport.
1: Have you given any thought at this stage to tactics? Because the way this is going to work, you're going to have... One European, one international, one American going head to head, there might be strengths and weaknesses. Have you given any thought to you know whether you let one match sort of slip a little bit's bit, uh, got to be there's got to be tactics, John yeah so is, is that sort of stuff been discussed yet or not?
4: We haven't really discussed it except probably in our own minds but there are time penalties so if you're too far back you actually lose points so it's not just a win and that's it. It's win and then if you're too far back you lose more points and so it's a a point scale at this stage now that could change but you don't want to just blow it by 30 minutes for sure you want to be able to go head to head Uh, but there's there's no question that we're going to have to be tactical about selecting those teams which is why I'm glad I'm not the only international team captain.
0: You know, you're a, you're a coach. How important do you think this, you know, it's, it's early days and we hope this becomes a big thing. How do you think important this is for pro triathletes?
4: Very important. There, there's so many different opportunities to race uh, triathlon, uh, but an opportunity where you're going to be guaranteed television coverage, guaranteed a paycheck and guaranteed a, an atmosphere that you wouldn't get anywhere else in the world being part of a team for such a solitary sport I think is is enormous this is history changing this could be the new direction of our sport our sport is so young you think back to swimming the origins of swimming was open water The swimming didn't start in a pool mm. it started open water and yet now we associate swimming with a 50 meter pool uh, so where where triathlon started isn't where it's going to end and this is one of those pivotal pivotal times where Is this the direction? Is this the new direction? And then will this spiral down, or unilaterally to age group athletes? And are we going to start little rider cup matches with certain athletes? Is this how national championships are going to be? You know, I don't know. I don't know how this will evolve. But right now, for the professionals, this is pivotal time, and it can lead to so much in our sport. Do we become the new golf? Because golf is really on the downswing, and so does triathlon. Can triathlon move into that? into that realm.
1: And this weekend, what's your plan? Are you staying in Roth or you're in Frankfurt or what's what's your plan this weekend? I'm in
4: Roth, I, I was in, Oops, yeah. I was, I, I, I'm in Roth this weekend. I was in Frankfurt this morning, I drove here. Uh, I was preparing an athlete to race Ironman Frankfurt uh, this weekend, but I have another athlete racing Challenge Roth. Uh, so that was my reason for coming to Challenge Roads and then this came up so I'm gonna be juggling a few things I'll be juggling the Collins Cup relay and then I'll be juggling uh, Supporting my athlete to get him across the finish line the best that he can and then I'm gonna have to juggle the motorway and uh, Get myself back to Frankfurt
0: <laughs> well, well, Good luck with this cuz I, I think we all agree this is really important for the sport and uh, and you're, you're our team So go 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 Yeah,
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it internationals. Awesome. Thanks mate
0: Okay, John. So we, we're going to put an interview on with Felix just now, but before we do, we're going to you're just going to, we're going to, going to cut
1: it in half because the sound was pretty poor at some stage. So uh, yeah, so it comes in at a stage when I was talking to him about the race coverage, and and that's where he'll he'll cut in and we'll hear the rest of the interview. Prior to that, though, the main things we discussed was really why they made the changes to the run course and. The rationale really was around partly safety because what happens, the old course was down the canal and no spectators were allowed to get down there, um, but what was happening on a more and more regular basis was that spectators were getting down mm-hmm. there and it was becoming a real issue for them um, and they just couldn't have, have that, so that was, that was one reason. A second reason was if you're having a good day, it's, it was quite good running along the canal, you could get into your zone, But it's very lonely. You're running alongside the canal. It can be baking hot. And so that was, I guess, for the top athletes, they really like the fact that it's faster. But for the middle and the back of the packers, they probably will enjoy more of a spectator-friendly course. So that was another rationale. And then another reason was it was really difficult for them to get aid stations down there, so the new course will have a few more aid stations as well, so that's good for the the, um, athletes. And then the really positive part of the whole change will be that more towns get involved better spectator access, and that will mean that uh, the athlete experience will be enhanced as well. And having ridden over the the, the new part of the course, it is very interesting. It twists and and turns, you go over a little bridge, you go up a hill, down a hill. Uh, It is definitely going to be slower in my opinion, but it's going to be more interesting. So I guess you'll just need to reset the the times in terms of what is realistic here, from the top athletes all the way down to the bottom athletes. But I think Frodo's record will be safe for some time.
0: Yeah. Okay, John.
1: So here is Felix with the rest of that interview. Um, So in terms of the event coverage, you know, um, Ironman Racers gets a lot of criticism, and rightly so, with their athlete tracker being very, very poor. What's your plan for race day coverage for both the age groupers
6: and the professionals? Um. We have a tracking uh, device uh, with uh, Mika timing where uh, all the athletes uh, can be followed on a a, a map, but then also can be um, uh, followed by the different timing nets. We have, I think, a total of 26 timing nets out on on the uh, course. So it will be visible via that. Then we will uh, distribute, um, and that's a development of uh, Deutsche Telekom, uh, a special GPS tracker for all the uh, pro athletes, but also for uh, special uh, athletes um, like Fireman Rob, and uh, for our relays, uh, for our um, relays uh, that are consisting with uh, uh, challenged athletes, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. We are also offering a very small amount. I guess this year it's going to be 50 to to age group athletes. This is all uh, still in a um, uh, development stage, but it has worked really well last year. Mm. Uh, Then uh, we will have um, uh, the race broadcasted live in the Internet, in German language and uh, English language. We will start um, 9 o'clock with a recap of the swim. And um, the uh, race is being produced then from Solar Hill. 9 o'clock is the time when the first cyclists go through Solar Hill. And then we're going to be live until uh, the late afternoon. After the uh, women have uh, finished, we'll also have um, uh, TV cameras on the finish line, so every athlete can be uh, seen um, by uh, family members who, for example, stay home in New Zealand or Australia. Yeah, and uh, uh, that's what we are we are planning for this year.
1: Great. Oh, uh, my, my family are looking forward to seeing what they can they can see because uh, they were most impressed and challenged Wanaka, and then bitterly disappointed yeah. when I went to. Uh, Kona to do the 70.3 and they couldn't get any updates there. Um, now with Challenge um, wrote, you know looking into the future, it's you know, the race has been around for, for a long time, Incredibly successful. You sell out every year. Where, where do you want to take the race over the next you know five years or so you know where, what, what else do you want to do or what else can you do over the next sort of next period to, to make sure that you're you know, one of the great races around the world?
6: First the most important thing is that we very very closely um, follow the opinions of our athletes. Um, every year we do a, a very detailed survey. It's quite impressive. Over 70% of our competing athletes actually fill out um, the the questionnaire that we send out after, and we learn a lot from it, I have to say. Um, uh, Where our uh, weaknesses are uh, out of uh, uh, international view and national view, for example, um, we get big uh, critics that we have two um, split transition zones from our international athletes. For the national athletes, that's a a normal thing here in, in Germany. So we, we very, very closely look in, in those. We also get a lot of feedback emails um, where uh, athletes tell us what we can do better. We want to be uh, a leader in the market and uh, have successfully done that for the for the past years. Um, to, to tell you exactly what we are going to change in the next five years, I'll be very, very honest. I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you that we are very, very open for, for suggestions and, and changes. Just like the... Um, uh, new uh, run course yeah. that that we have implemented this year. Um, for us the, the most important thing is that we stay on top of all races in regards of quality in regards of the experience uh, the athletes get uh, when they arrive here and uh, I mean that not only for the race uh, the race is just the reason why everyone comes but we want that the athletes have a, a marvelous day uh, when they arrive. We are inact- uh, interacting extremely well with all the different uh, cities and um, uh, villages here. Uh, Buchenbach, the new uh, village where the run course goes for the first time, so they have never been on the run course. Uh, yesterday they have already put up all the flags and banners. They are, uh, they are going absolutely mad that they are now a part of the, the race. Uh, two huge hotspots are being planned by that village, one at the um, uh, school. Uh, that is going to be a hotspot only for kids. Nice. where kids can be uh, uh, very, very near to, to the athletes. Of course, we will still have barriers and everything, but uh, no adult will stand uh, in front of the kids. Um, uh, then there will be a uh, huge one on Marketplace. Um, we have a program with all the schools from the uh, county. I believe it's uh, 82, <laughs> 32 uh, schools. They are preparing um, a huge program um, uh, signs um, uh, in the language of the 71 uh, participating nations. They do that in their uh, uh, courses for art. Um, so what what for us is the most important thing that the whole county, uh, all the uh, people living here, interact with us, interact with the athletes and give the athletes the um, the feeling um, that they're very welcome here and that on that weekend, the triathlon world is happening in, in the county of Rhodes. And uh, I think we have done that very, very well, but uh, are still increasing um, uh, that at the moment. We have uh, a plan. There is a nationwide um, uh, program by the government. It's called uh, Schools Without Racism. Uh, that all the uh, schools joined in. Um, The pupils uh, of the schools came out to us and said, hey, uh, you are the the benchmark event here. We have so many international guests. Can we do something to welcome them? So they developed that idea that uh, on uh, Monday before the uh, event, all the schools and all the pupils, will be a couple of thousand, meet in the stadium. They will prepare big signage saying, uh, we welcome the world, we welcome our athletes, so it's really, really beautiful to see uh, how much interaction there is in the county, and not only from us as a triathlon organization, but from the schools, from the politicians, uh, from the uh, from the hotels. There's a big um, thing going on at the moment where uh, all the shops are preparing their uh, shop windows. We'll do a raffle uh, where the um, best idea of, uh, of the shop windows is going to get uh, Jan Frodeno for one hour, with autograph session in that shop and then they are going to win uh, two tickets uh, from Germania which is a large um, uh, carrier here in, in Germany uh, in their um, international system so they can go on holiday. So there are a lot of things that we do outside the race that uh, uh, that we want um, to, to even elevate the uh, yeah the joy and happiness of the locals to uh, welcome um the international guests as well as as the German guests. we also saw that those things help us a lot to increase the um, uh, uh, duration of the stays of the athletes. Most of the athletes stay now uh five nights, which is amazing and it's just a huge uh celebration international celebration and uh, this is where we are um putting a lot of effort and and work in and uh, I think we've done a, a really good job and we're looking forward to see it this year.
1: Fantastic. Oh, no, our whole camp is looking forward to it. We're there for, I think, 11 or 12 days, so we're going to have a great time. Brilliant. And uh, looking forward to the race. So, Felix, we'll see you out there and we'll see you at the finish line. Rightio, John. So we are going to wrap it up now, so tomorrow's the race day. Of- exactly. And are our- you excited? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. not nervous or anything yet. Um you know, no, know, the middle guys were recording this kind of two days out, but mm. you know, everything's gone to plan. I'm as fit as I'd hope to be. I mean, you're never going to be as fit as you yep. always want to be, but training's gone well, ready to go, no injuries, you know, little niggles, tightness here and there, but I've got no excuses. Um, the heat, you know, that's going to throw a, a little bit of a curveball out there, but I'm kind of hoping that... The Kona, you know, residual Kona heat training is 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 in the bank, and we have been over here for a week. And whilst it hasn't been hot uh, until the last couple of days, um, hopefully that's helped with the adaptations. So, kind of feel I'm good to go. Um, tomorrow we will be on our Facebook page. So If you are, do want to kind of keep track,
0: you can go to www.i or The Facebook page. Go to our Facebook page. Yeah, and, and, and I'll try to post as much as I can. Now I don't know how good I'm going to be at it, but we'll just we'll see get how Joe on there as well. The lovely Joe, yeah, lovely Joe, be able to go on there, and uh, we'll just kind of keep you updated. Challenge apparently are going to have great coverage, so hopefully, Mm. you can go on there and watch it live um, or see tracker of athlete trackers and you can see how John and maybe any of your friends and family are doing or some of the campers are doing. Um, Yeah, game on, and and we'll be. We'll probably release a show tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, We may do a Facebook Live, but we're not quite sure if that's going to happen. Um, But we will be releasing the post race show, which will have interviews like we do in Kona. So I'll try to get all the pros that come across the line, um, get you know, John and all that rest of it. So we'll be releasing that on. Monday after the race
1: I'll try to get my file. we're not going to be home until after midnight because we're all going to stay down and watch it to the, to the very end I'll try to get my race files up as soon as I can for you numbers geeks it's assuming everything goes reasonably well <laughs> if I'm uh, if I blow out the back door where well, that might take a little bit longer yeah. but uh, fingers oh, I lost crossed the yeah. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed I'll get them up as, as quick as I can and you guys can see you know There's always a lot of talk around different courses around the accuracy of them, um the the elevation changes, you know, there's there's a lot of elevation change on both the the bike and this year there's gonna be significantly more on the run and that's yeah, that's probably one thing for the run over here. It's gonna be really hard to hold that constant pace because there are a lot of caves which are either a little bit up or a little bit down. So gonna be a good day, looking forward to it. What an effort based run. Mm. Oh, oh, oh we're keeping Bevan up.
3: Oh,
0: choppers, yeah. creepers! I'm last night, mate. I tell you, um, okay, <laughs> be- you be- Bevan.
1: Be- I suppose if we talked about the run and your, your blazing third place. Wow,
0: well, we had we had a we the run from Where was it Hempelstein to Road. basically a 11k run, and it was, it was very much a fun run. So, but I would I didn't want, I want to have a good run, um, and I knew pretty much after the first hundred meters I was going to get third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we all took off. And I looked around, and there was there was two guys who were kind of beside me, and they went a little bit faster than me. And I thought I didn't I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to do a kill myself run. I just wanted to have a good run where I built into it. And they took off, and I wanted to run to four minutes, and then kind of after five k's get maybe faster and faster. And uh, so yeah, I, I came third. And it was a good solid run, but it wasn't like killing myself. Nice work. Yeah, but it was, it was yeah, it was nice to come third, I suppose. You know? Exactly. Put, put that on my athletics. I did not have the race report. <laughs> 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 and take results. So yep, uh, that was. But it was cool. It was nice. I haven't raced in a while, so it was kind of, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't a race, I should have, in retrospect, maybe I should have gone with those guys. C- cause
1: I mean, you could if you'd wanted to run it. The I mean, guy who
0: won it did 3.35s. Yeah, you can do yeah, that yeah. easy. Wow, well, I don't know about easy nowadays, mate, but yeah. I, I could do it. But, um, yeah, but it was good. It was good. It nice. felt good. And I did finish. It is nice when you get to, because I basically went 5Ks comfortable, next 3Ks lift it, and then the last 3Ks try to push it. And I do like that feeling where you just kind of, pushing harder it's such mm. a good feeling when you're just kind of really killing yourself and I kind of did that so
1: good times anyway let's rock and roll John uh, special thanks to Athleanx.com and Extreme Endurance and all our fantastic patrons join us at imtalk.me and support then you're away laughing and Iron Rusts. okay I'm Indo train hard train smart kicker.